Chapter forty two of Agincourt, a romance by George Payne Rainsford James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Charges We shall see, my good lord, we shall see, said Henry V to the Earl of Stafford, as he stood surrounded by his court in the hall of the old castle of Blongy. I have, it is true, learned sad lessons that those we most trust are often the least worthy. Nay, let me not say often, but rather sometimes. And yet, he added after a pause, perhaps I am wrong there too, for it has not happened to me in life that one of whom I have had no misgivings has proved false. May it never happen. Those, indeed, of whom I would not believe the strange and instinctive doubts which sometimes, from a mere look or tone, creep into the heart, those whom I have trusted against my spirit may have indeed betrayed me, but there is something in plain, straightforward honesty that may not always suit a monarch's humour, but which cannot well be suspected, and besides, but it matters not, we shall see. It was evident to all that his thoughts turned to that dark conspiracy against his throne and life, which had been detected and punished at Southampton, and as every one knew it was a painful and a dangerous subject with the king, the only one, indeed, that ever moved him to a hasty burst of passion, all were silent. And while the king still bent his eyes to the ground in meditation, Sir William Porter, afterwards raised to the then high office of Grand Carver, entered and approached his sovereign. "'The prisoner is without, royal sir,' he said. "'Let him come in.' answered Henry, and raising his face towards the door he regarded Woodville as he walked forward, followed by Sir Henry Dacre, with that fixed, unwavering glance that was peculiar to him. His eyelids did not wink, not the slightest movement of the lips or nostril could be observed by those nearest him, but the light of his eye fell calm and grave upon the young knight, like the beams of a wintry sun. The demeanour of Woodville was not less like himself, with a rapid step, firm and free, with his broad chest expanded, his brow serene but thoughtful, and with his eyes raised to the monarch without looking to the right or left, he advanced till he was within two steps of Henry, and then bowed his head with an air of calm respect. He was quite silent, however, till the king spoke. "'You have asked to be admitted to our presence, Sir Richard of Woodville,' said the king, "'and according to the tenor of a promise once made, we have granted your request.' "'What have you to say to the charges made against you?' "'I know not what they are, my liege,' replied Woodville. "'But whatever they may be, if they lay to my account aught of disloyalty to you, "'I say that they are false.' "'And have you heard nothing?' asked the king in a tone of surprise. "'Has no one told you?' "'He would not hear me, sire,' said Dacre, stepping forward. "'He said he would meet them unprepared in your own presence.' "'It is well.' rejoined Henry. Then you shall hear them from my lips, Sir Knight, and God grant you clear yourself, for none wishes it more than I do. Did I not command you, sir, now well nigh twenty months ago, to retire from the forces of our cousin of Burgundy and return to your native land for our especial service? Such commands may have been sent, my liege, but they never reached me, replied the young knight. And when a mere rumour found its way to me, I was on the eve of setting out on that fatal enterprise in which I lost my liberty. I can appeal to the noble Lord of Croy when the tidings came. 
to speak how much pain they gave me, and how ready I was to abandon all and follow your commands. "'Be it so,' answered Henry. "'That point shall be inquired into. "'You say you have been a prisoner. "'How long is it since you were set at liberty?' "'But five days, sire,' replied the knight. "'No longer than was needful to journey from Montlhery hither.' "'And did you come alone?' demanded the king. "'No, sire,' said Richard of Woodville. "'From the abbey at Arouess I was accompanied by my page, "'a man who aided in my escape from prison, "'and two young novices journeying to Montreuil. I sent the two ladies from Fremicourt on to Esdin, under the escort of the man and the page, and rode on hitherward myself till my horse would go no farther. The rest of the way I walked on foot. But before you reached Arroway's, were you alone? inquired the king. No, sire. As far as Triel, I had but the man, the boy, and a clerk of Sir John Gray's with me, who effected my liberation between them but after that I was accompanied by a small body of Burgundian horse, who were escorting some canonesses and these two novices on the way. Had and burning monasteries, plundering villages, and cutting off the stragglers of your sovereign's armies, Sir Knight, rejoined the king sternly. Richard of Woodville gazed in his face for an instant in surprise, and then broke into a gay laugh, saying, "'I avow to God,' quoth Harry, "'I shall not be left behind. "'May I meet with Bernard or Bayard the Blind?' "'Now I understand your grace, "'for I have come upon the track of these men, "'and somewhat wondered to hear in the mouth of hinds and peasants "'the name of Woodville, or Vaudeville, as they called it, "'coupled with curses. "'Nay, more, my liege, I saw in the good town of Peron, "'through which I passed, a man in my own armour at the head of a large troop of men-at-arms i saw him too dickon cried the voice of old sir philip beecham as he followed our rear at pont saint Ami, and would have sworn that it was thyself had i not known thy true heart from a boy a strange tale sir knight said the king without relaxing his grave frown and the more strange when coupled with the facts of your having never received my commands to return sent long ago and my messenger having brought me word as if from your mouth that you could not obey as you had taken service with the duke of burgundy for two years and a day he is a false knave my liege replied the knight and as to my ever having forgotten your grace's commands even for a day not to engage myself for long that i can prove for thank god my contract with good duke john i have always kept about me here it is and if you look royal sir you will see i have not been unmindful of my duty henry took the paper which woodville produced from the young knight's hand and read it over attentively pausing at one clause and pronouncing the words aloud and it is moreover agreed between the said high and mighty prince philip count of charolois and the said knight that should the king of england henry v of that name require the aid and service of the said sir richard of woodville he shall be at liberty to retire at any time without let or hindrance from the forces of the said count of charolois or of his father and redoubted lord the duke of burgundy together with all such men as have accompanied the said knight from england and moreover that he shall receive all the passes safe conducts and letters of protection which may be needful for him to return to his own land in safety and that without delay or hesitation but even at a moment's notice the king when he had read these words gave a momentary glance around 
but then turning to the young knight again after examining the date of the paper and the signature you were at this time assuredly in your devoir he said and this was but a month before my messenger set out but we have heard from sir philip de morgan some strange tales of adventures in the town of ghent which may have changed your purposes my lord i do beseech your grace answered woodville gravely to give ear to no strange tales till they be fully proved i have already suffered from such stories and have disproved them to one here present much interested to know the truth and he turned his eyes towards sir john grey who stood beside the earl of warwick for one so long a prisoner not knowing where to find a single person who was with him at a remote period it is not easy in a moment to show the real state of every fact alleged but if your royal time may serve i am ready to tell the simple tale of the last two years and if i afterwards prove not to your own clear conviction that every word i speak is truth send my head to the block when you will you shall have full time sir knight replied the king at present it is late and though we must sleep but little yet some repose every man must have your tale cannot be heard to-night however you now know that you are charged first with refusing to serve your king in arms against his enemies which may perhaps be false this paper affords some presumption against the accusation secondly you are charged with following our royal host with men of burgundy and in arms levying war against your sovereign you have we are told been seen by many so traitorously employed and your name as you yourself allow is in the mouths of all the peasantry henry paused a moment as if expecting assent but woodville only replied by a question may i ask sire he said if a certain sir simeon of roydon is in your host ha cried the king his face lighting up what would you say on that score simply that i have suspicions mighty prince replied the young knight but i will charge no man without proof these two charges are false and i will make it manifest they are so first by testimony then by my arm is there aught else against me alas there is answered the king and the most grave of all have you brought that letter which i sent for my lord yes sire replied the earl of arundel stepping forward and placing a paper in the king's hands that is the one your grace meant i believe the same answered henry gazing upon it with a countenance both stern and sad come forward sir richard of woodville is this your handwriting woodville looked at it and recognised at once the letter which he had written to sir john grey whilst in prison it is my liege he replied boldly looking in the king's face with surprise i wrote that letter but i know not how it can affect me that will be proved hereafter sir answered the king in a stern tone but remember i have doomed my own blood to death for the acts which this letter prompted and by my honour and my life i will not spare the man that wrote it according to the right of every englishman you shall be tried and judged by your peers but when the axe struck the neck of cambridge it crushed out the name of mercy from my heart in me you find no grace my lord i need none replied richard of woodville in a tone firm yet respectful for i have done no wrong i never yet did hear that there was any crime in a captive writing to a friend for ransom this letter prompted nothing and i am in much surprise to hear your royal words announced therein a matter of complaint against me the man to whom it was written sir said the king 
proved himself a traitor, and took the gold to France to sell his sovereign's life, and his country's welfare to the enemy. Richard of Woodville gazed in surprise and bewilderment from the king to Sir John Grey, and from Sir John Grey to the king, while the father of her he loved looked not less astonished than himself. But Henry, after a short pause, added aloud, "'Remove him, Sir William Porter. If God give us good success in the coming fight, he shall have fair trial and due judgment. If the will of heaven fight against us, though perchance he may escape to live, I do believe, from what I have known of him in former days, that he will find bitter punishment in his own heart for this dark deed.' and he struck his fingers sharply upon the paper, which he still held in his hand. "'Some way, I know not what, you are deceived, my liege,' said Richard of Woodville, with perfect calmness. "'However, I have but one favour to ask, and that is, that you will not let a false and lying accusation so weigh against me, as to deprive me of my right and glory, that of fighting for my king, I would say. And I pledge you my honour and my soul, that if the day be lost, which God forfend, I will not survive the battle. If it be won, I will bring my head to your grace's feet, to do with as seems meet to you. For I am no traitor, so help me, heaven, and on that score I fear neither the judgment of man nor that of God. I know that you are brave right well, Sir Richard, answered the king, but we will have no traitors fight upon our side. The young knight cast his eyes bitterly towards the ground, and Henry could see the fingers of his hand clenched tight into the palm. But Sir Henry Dacre stepped forward and said, "'I will be his bail, my liege.' "'And I too, royal sir,' cried old Sir Philip Beecham. "'I will plight land and liberty, life and honour, that he is as true as my good sword. Have I not known him from a babe?' "'You are his uncle, sir,' answered the king, "'and in this case cannot judge.' "'I am in no way akin to him, my gracious sovereign,' said Sir John Grey, advancing from the side of the Earl of Warwick. "'But I fear not also to be his bail, my life for his, if he be not true.' Richard of Woodville crossed his arms upon his chest, and raising his head as his friend spoke, looked proudly round, saying, "'There is something to live for, after all.' At the same moment Henry turned to the Duke of York, and spoke a word or two with him, and the Duke of Clarence. "'Your request cannot be granted,' he said in a milder tone, "'but yet we will deal with you in all lenity, Sir Richard, "'and therefore we will commit you to the ward of Sir John Grey, "'with strict orders, however, "'that he hold you as a close prisoner till after your trial. "'And now I can hear no more, "'for the night is well spent and we must march at dawn. "'Take him, Sir John, you have a guard, "'and answer to me for him with your life.' "'I will, my liege,' replied Sir John Grey, advancing, and taking the young knight's arm. "'Come, Richard, you shall be my guest. I have no doubts.' And bowing to the king, he retired from the presence. Sir Philip Beecham and Sir Harry Dacre followed quickly, and overtook them on the stairs, and the old knight shook his nephew playfully by the shoulders, exclaiming, "'We will confound the knaves yet, Dickon. But what is this letter?' "'Merely one I wrote to Sir John Grey,' replied Richard of Woodville, "'beseeching him to communicate with the bearer touching my ransom.' "'I never received it,' replied Sir John Grey. "'It did not reach my hands. "'But please God, I will see it ere I sleep.' "'I must fight at this battle,' said Richard of Woodville thoughtfully. "'I must fight at this battle, my noble friends.' Sir John Grey replied not, but shook his head gravely, 
and led the way to the house where he was lodged. End of chapter 42